Hey guys, welcome to On The Way Out, where we talk about movies on the way out from the movie theater. I'm Danny Sanchez. And I'm Jonathan Diaz, and we've never made a podcast before. Yeah. This is our our first... Our debut. Yeah, our debut of a podcast. Um, Hope we, you enjoy. Yeah, we're filmmakers who love movies, so let's talk about movies. And today, the movie we're talking about is Lion King. Okay, well, first of all, I want to say something that'll lead into the rest of it. Okay. They did everything possible to make it look as photorealistic as they could, and the attention to detail yeah. was incredible. Yeah, no, it, it visually, visually, it was stunning. Yes. It was stunning, like breathtaking. Like if you wanna, if you wanna get an example of like how far CGI has come, it's the perfect movie to watch. Like Avengers Endgame, this movie. Is yeah. like the pinnacle of of visuals, of visuals, of like computer animation, of like what technology can do nowadays for a film. Like it's mm-hmm. it's amazing. It is. I amazing. mean, it also helps that the environments are so beautiful. But but even then, yeah. Like, but the like, characters themselves, they're animated just perfectly. Like if if we're going off of execution, this movie did it all. Execution yeah. wise, this movie did it all. Like it looks amazing. It's beautiful. It's shot so well. Yeah. It's just. It's so stunning. And hands down, hands down, hands down, Hans Zimmer can have my children. <laughs> like, like it, three times during the movie, we looked at each other and just, Hans, Hans Zimmer. Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Like, any, anything, you know how anything the light touches is Simba's kingdom? Anything Hans, Hans Zimmer is touched, like, anything Hans Zimmer gets his hands on is an amazing soundtrack. Like, yeah. It's an amazing soundtrack. It, it just although the soundtrack, for the most part, was the same as the 1994 one. Yes, but that Hans Zimmer flair, you can't, you can't like, unhear it. Yeah. You can't unhear that Hans Zimmer flair. Like every scene that wasn't a score from the original, it was still was just it was on the same level. Amazing. It was it was on the same level, if not more, mm-hmm. if not more. Like many times throughout the film, I caught myself just looking at the screen and going, "This is like, like this is more than what I remember. It's more than what I remember." Yeah. I will say this though. I prefer the animated I do for too. many different reasons. I prefer the animated, but this is as live action as it can get. Like it's the best live action we could have asked for. Yes, but at times during the beginning, like it took me a little while to get used to the idea that even though it was so heavily like reliant on the animation, I was still watching something live action. And I'm not 100% sure because I, I really haven't looked into it. But you've told me that they did shoot yeah, on they, location they and then they animated onto the onto the scene. That's it's believable, but at the same time, it, like like I like we've talked about before, it's just it feels so like impractical to do that. But on but the, I mean you watched the, it. It doesn't it doesn't you watch the movie like it you as much as well as they were animated as well as the animals were animated. You can still feel. That they're not supposed to be there, quote unquote. Yeah. They feel out of place in the environments because that is kind of as true. well see like as CGI as they are, they're still not real animals, and that's because when you put the CGI image above the regular image, when you put them right on top of each other, the CGI, believe it or not, looks better than the image behind it. Yeah, that is true. Which is why you know for a fact the image behind it is real and the CGI isn't. But what I was gonna say was that it looks um, too good. Like, 
near the beginning of the like towards the beginning of the movie I found myself like having to remind myself that it was a live action movie versus versus an animated yeah but it I don't think that's the I don't think that that's that's too difficult to do I don't think that that was like too it, much of a it's problem not, it's not it's, it's just not like a big of a problem it's just a feeling I had it, yeah it's just, it's just it's a little weird though um in terms of cast the cast was incredible the cast was incredible but I'm I'm split down the middle 50-50 with with a lot of the characters Timon and Pumbaa played by Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner work better as Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner Timon and Pumbaa as Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner were better than the original Timon and Pumbaa now Rafiki yeah Rafiki was better in the animated Yes. Rafiki was so much better in the animated. He had more personality. More, he had a, a lot more personality, but, but that that, well, that comes back to the problem we're going to talk about in, yeah. in a second. But Rafiki had more personality in the animated. Rafiki felt more Rafiki. That yeah. flair of like insanity wasn't given to this Rafiki. That is true. It wasn't. It wasn't there, and it was that part. Of, partly, it was, it was he, mostly because of the voice acting. It wasn't there. He played the role that Rafiki is supposed to be in the story of like I guess the tie to like their religion and like. He, but but he didn't have that insanity. That, well, no, that, that, that that's what Rafiki's role is in the world, in the uh-huh. world that's created. In terms of the story, Rafiki serves no purpose other than a catalyst for Simba's story arc. Yeah. If 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 Rafiki was a cell, he'd be an enzyme to speed up the process of Simba's story arc. Okay. <laughs> that's that's a reference only we're gonna understand, or most people won't understand. An intellectual would understand that reference. Okay. But I, I like the metaphor. But, but like you know, it, it, that's what it is though. Like. He's a catalyst to speed up Simba's story arc. Without Rafiki, Simba has no story arc. Because at the end of the day, Nala isn't enough to bring Simba back. No. It's Nala's not, not enough because not. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't follow. Now, speaking of Nala, Beyonce as Nala was a stellar choice. Like, yeah. Nala, Nala has never been more Nala than when Beyonce played her. Before watching the movie, I was kind of, I was cautious about being excited for Beyonce as Nala because I thought that I would look on the screen and see Beyonce rather than see Nala. But what ended up happening was the first scene that we see Nala grown up and like voice acted by Beyonce, mm-hmm. it took me like a minute or two yeah. to realize that it was, Beyonce. Realize it was Beyonce. Yeah. It was Nala before it was Beyonce. Which again, that's partly because the lions all look way too similar. There's no the, distinct the, the female lions. The female lions, yeah. Because I mean, there's only three males. Exactly. And you could kind of you could kind of tell. You could tell because Scar and Scar and Mufasa. But yeah, if Mufasa and Simba were standing next to each other, all grown up, you wouldn't be able to tell yeah. either. The lions look too similar. The, because the animals look so real, mm-hmm. you there's no distinctive factor to the way they look for you to realize who's speaking. Yeah, you you run into a lot of problems. Which the animals look which so real. I will say this, the casting director. Forgive me, I don't know her name. But the casting director um, did a great job yeah. because she did a great job by sure picking voices. Uh, I'm gonna say she because I, I, whenever I think casting director, I think of a female. I don't know why. It just industry, in the industry, I, th- I feel like there's a lot more female casting directors than there are male casting directors. And I've just there's the image of like casting director in my head as a female always. I don't know why. Okay. But I feel like there's more female casting directors working in the industry than males. But whatever. Point is, I'm just gonna say she's a she for now. Okay. Until I find out what she is. Um, until I find out what they are. The casting director did an amazing job because they went that extra mile to make sure that every single voice actor had such a distinct voice. Yeah, that is very true. Such a distinct voice. 
And like It had nothing to do It had nothing to do With like Ethnicity Race Culture Anything Because the voice was so distinct Yeah Because you have these Voice actors Coming from Such similar cultures Yet their voices Are so distinct It, it doesn't It doesn't It doesn't affect it I mean it also She Or she They The casting director Had to bring in A lot of different voices That Reminded you enough Of the original voices From 1984 exactly. While exactly. still giving it It's fresh Exactly it's I know. Fresh And the best part is like The cast did such a great job Of of making sure that none of the African culture was lost. Yeah. Because their voices are so distinct to it. Mm-hmm. And like, let's face it, the ca- the cast could have been played by anybody, but like, go making it that like like dare I say the word, but a, a black cast was such a good job. It was such a good choice, and it was it was stayed true to the culture of like the movie. Okay. It stayed. It's it makes it stay true to the to the culture of the movie where you can feel it like. Because even if you didn't know who was voicing those actors, who's voicing those characters, mm-hmm. you know for a fact that like they did such a great job of staying attuned to that, staying attuned to that that like culture, that richness yeah, that comes from the movie. They kept it. They kept it. They kept it close to its roots. Yeah. And like when you have a voice actor such as Beyonce, Donald Glover, um, I forgot the name of the of of Sarabi, but Sarabi's voice actress, they're also attuned to it where they have such a, a far back lineage of like. Roots that deep that dig so deep, and their voices show it. Their voices show it. But even then, Beyonce playing Nala and Sarabi. I don't. I don't know the voice actress's I'm name. Gonna, I'm gonna find it right it, now. It's fine. We're, we're gonna fine tune it. But Beyonce, I mean Nala and Sarabi. Although their culture is exactly the same, and you feel it, their voices are so distinct. Yeah. Their voices are so different, even though they feel the same. And it it, it enriches the character. It enriches the character exactly. Now, speaking of the problems, Lion King did have its problems. Yes, it has its pro- like the live action. It has its problems. It has a very, very, very big problems. Yeah, that are affecting it negatively, heavily, heavily affecting it negatively. That being said, it's a great film. It it's is. a great film. It was executed beautifully. The problems don't come from the film. I'm gonna say this far and wide and very clear. I'm gonna make it very clear. It's the exact same film that you watched in the 1980s. 1994. 1990s, sorry. 1994. It's the exact same film from 1994 as it is in 2019. It's no different. The story is exactly the same. The script is almost... Yeah, there's a few lines here. Exactly, there's a few lines that were given for the actor's flair. Yeah. But the lines are exactly the same. It's the same film. The problem is, it doesn't feel like the same film... Because what we're watching feels wrong. Yeah. It feels wrong. It takes some getting used to because once you start, it just, it feels so wrong to see an animal that looks so real speak with a human voice. Yeah. You look at it, it catches you by surprise and you're like, I don't like it. I don't, it makes me uncomfortable. I mean, you get used to it though. You get used to it, but it, yeah, it does. It makes you uncomfortable. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to see more. Like it's, (laughs) it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. And again, like, I credit that to the fact that, like, the animals, although they look so real, it's that choice to make them so real and so true to what the animal's supposed to be mm-hmm. that affects it negatively. Because in the animated, you have free range of, of motion in the, the character's face, the character's body, the character's everything. In the live action, you have to stay true to the way a lion speaks, to the way a lion moves, the way a lion looks. Yeah. The joints in a lion's face 
don't don't lend themselves too well to the way a human speaks. Mm-hmm. So when you have a human speaking and human emotion, it's not translated correctly because the animation can't make up for it because it's not supposed to. And Lion King is a very emotional movie at some point. Exactly. And it's especially evident in those scenes because in the in Mufasa's death scene, spoiler alert, in Mufasa's death scene, um, in the animated, Simba's crying. Simba's like completely like heartbroken. He has, he's tears. He's tears. He's but, tears. But here in the in the live action, he's straight faced, and it's because it's because as a lion, he can't show that emotion. They they don't have the capability to show that emotion. You get that from the voice acting. The voice acting is incredible. We we've talked about the voice yeah. acting. The voice acting is incredible, and the 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 boy who played young Simba I was is an say, incredible voice actor. He, he was an incredible voice because actor. While we didn't get the emotion from Simba's face, we got it from his voice. From his yeah, and I th- I think that's beautiful. But the problem is it li- because it's beautiful that we got it from his voice. Yeah, and we didn't get it from his face, but because we didn't get it from his face. In addition to his voice, mm-hmm. personally, I didn't cry. I thought I, I was going to cry. I thought I was going to cry. I thought I, 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 I was going to cry. I thought I was going to tear up. I thought I was going to hurt. It didn't. It should have. Yeah. It should have, and it didn't. And it's it's. this is coming from a person who, who to this day, watches the animated and cries. Mm-hmm. And the live action, I thought was going to make me cry more, and it didn't. It just, it didn't. It didn't hold up, because... It's something we know, something we've come to know about film, and just an, by analyzing film and all the years of, of filmmaking and all the like, film analysis... It's not so much the event, it's the reaction to that event that yeah. will make the audience cry. Yeah. Now, the voice acting does a great job of reacting to the event to make the audience feel for it. But watching, not watching him cry, watching him stand there and not tear up is just, it's like, okay, Simba's sad, but he's not crying. Mm-hmm. So why should I be crying? And it, it takes away part of the scene. It takes away part of the scene. It takes like, away part it, of the scene. Like an integral part of the it scene. It takes away an integral part of the scene. Speaking of which, speaking of integral parts of scenes, because that that lack because of the the animation, the face acting, the story feels so rushed. Yeah. In the live action, it feels so rushed. It doesn't make sense. It only makes sense because we know the animated. Yeah. To somebody watching it for the first time, they probably would have thought it was a crap script. Uh They probably would have thought the script was crapped. And that's that's ridiculous because it's the same script. Yeah. But the problem is, where the script lacks, it's made up for in the animation. Mm -hmm. But the animation is not doing that for this script because it doesn't look good. It doesn't the, the face acting doesn't look good. The, yeah. the the visuals are beautiful, but the face acting is not good. It's not there. It's not there. There's no face acting. Mm-hmm. It's just a mannequin moving its face, but that's what it's supposed to look like. Cause that's what lions look like. It did it. It didn't hold up. It didn't hold up. And because of that, Simba's story arc feels out of nowhere. Yeah. It feels like one moment he doesn't care about his family. He doesn't care about his home, and in the next scene he's running to kill Scar or he's running to fight Scar. Yeah. And it, it just feels like Can You Feel the Love Tonight was a bridge between it, but it wasn't enough. The reason Can You Feel the Love Tonight was such a bridge is because Beyonce saved that scene. Yeah. Beyonce's voice, there's so much power and emotion in Beyonce's voice, which again, beautiful casting because of it. Yeah. Because Beyonce's voice saved that part of the film. Well, I think they both did a really good job. Her well, Donald, Donald Glover, Glover did a great job, but... Yeah. Unfortunately, Beyonce overpowers Donald Glover so much yeah. in Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Yeah, you does. barely realize Donald Glover's in that song because Beyonce just runs him over. Yeah. Beyonce hops, hops onto that track 
and throws Donald Glover off. I mean, I think that's also because in the original, Can You Feel the Love Tonight is by is sung by a woman. It's sung by so yeah. in your head, it's it's already by a woman. Yeah, but and you're you're listening to Beyonce more. But Beyonce, I agree with you. I, has such a like a like a like a dis, like a deep like not yeah. a deep voice, but like I know what you mean. Her voice is just so loud. It's like. It's so powerful. It's just yeah. powerful. It's not even loud. It's just powerful. Like, the her voice. Yeah. Just, they're two different voices. Donald Glover and Beyonce have two different, very different voices, and Beyonce's unfortunately overpowers Donald Glover's. But, Donald Glover's voice, when you first hear him in Hakuna Matata, was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It that was beautiful singing from Mr. Glover, and yeah, I, I I got chills. No. I got chills when when, when he, he came out. And mind you. Donald Glover is like, what, like in his late twenties, right? I think maybe so. early thirties, maybe. I'm, I think, I'm, I'm, I'm I, mid, he's like in late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, I think that range. Donald Glover shows up in a Kuna Matata, and I saw a teenager. I yeah. saw a teenager, and that's what Simba is. Simba's what? Simba's what? Eighteen to twenty-one years old in this movie because yeah. it's not established, but like he's supposed to resemble an eighteen to twenty-one yeah. year old taking his mantle. It's 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 a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. It's a coming of age story, which again. Backtracking to what I, to what we had said before, it's a little rushed. It's rushed. Like, yeah. It feels like he grows up too fast because we don't get to see his his emotion in his in his in his face. Mm-hmm. We just see it in his voice. We hear it in his voice. But again, back to Donald Glover. Donald Glover's voice has such an amazing way of making him feel young, yeah. naive, and so heartfelt that like it brought the character to life. Mm-hmm. It brought the character to life and it ripped him off that screen and into your heart because it. It, that's literally what this movie is. This movie is this film is so much more prominent on the audio than it is on the story because the visuals were amazing, yeah. the audios were incredible, and the story was solid. I mean, that's also because they like like we said they use the same exact script. Yeah, they use the same exact script. Mind you, they played with it a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's, it's the same it, and. They had a lot more time to focus on visuals, on audio, on casting. Because the script was already done. The story, yeah. was, story was already done. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. But again, unfortunately to me, I just... I, I wish they would have taken it the extra mile and mm-hmm. rewritten a lot of it. I wish they would have developed it more. Yeah, I wish they would have developed it more, rewritten a bit of it. If that meant the movie was going to be longer, then so be it. Make the movie longer. Uh-huh. People were going to sit through it anyways. Yeah. That is Nobody true. was going to be like, ooh, two and a half hours. Ooh, two forty-five. Sorry, guys. No, yeah. th- that's not true because people were going to sit through it. Everybody's going to sit through it. Yeah. This movie's going to make a lot of money. It is. But the reviews are going to hurt it. Though. The reviews are going to hurt it. We the were reviews... talking about it during the movie. Actually. Yeah. The reviews are going to hurt it. I think that if it that if it can come back from these reviews that it's getting, because I think right now it's at like a six out of ten on IMDb. Yeah, it'll break a billion. Like it'll break a billion if it can bounce it, back. It, yeah, it will break. If a it can bounce back, it'll break a billion. But if the reviews keep going downwards, then it might not. I'm seeing it stall at about seven fifty million, seven hundred fifty million. Yeah. I think it'll I think it'll get to seven hundred fifty million and kind of stall right there, because again, on pre-sales alone, they've already sold millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on pre-sale alone. Wasn't it more than Endgame? I'm not sure. I'm not. Don't quote me on that. But I believe it was around the same area as like Endgame pre-sales. It sold so much on pre-sales. It was insane. Yeah. Insane. 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 It 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 was nearing the records of like pre-sale sales. Um. For well, it broke the record for a July weekend. A oh, July really? weekend pre-sales. It broke. 
the record, and now we just got to see if, if it breaks the record for July weekend box office sales, yeah. which it very well might. Mm-hmm. It very well might because opening weekend it's gonna be it's gonna be insane. It's gonna be crazy. The movie theater we were at alone, it was full. It was full it, for the first time at the movie theater we go to. We don't usually get long lines to get into the movie theater. Today we had to wait about a good five minutes, which is a lot compared to what we usually yeah. wait. No, it's usually five just to ten in. minutes of us waiting in line to get into the movie theater was a lot because usually we just walk in. It's usually empty. That's why yeah. we like this movie theater so much because it's always empty and it's ours. The entire thing was full. It, it, yeah. it, you could tell the difference. You could tell the and difference. And it was the, the biggest theater in the house. And it was the biggest theater in the house, exactly. And you could tell the difference. Um, which, by the way, the amount of respect that you can feel in that movie theater was insane. Yeah, that is very true. The amount of respect for the film was crazy. You could hear a pin drop. Yeah. In the scenes when you when you had to hear a pin drop, you could hear a pin drop. Like, it was just so crazy. Like, even the jokes... When the jokes were told, it wasn't a talking point in the theater. It was yeah. more of like I laughed, but I want to hear what they're gonna say uh-huh. next. It was it was like casual laughter. It was casual laughter because everybody was so focused on what they were gonna say next, yeah. and it was it was that just, also comes from the from the showing we got though, because it was all like super fans. Even fans. even then though, like we did get one of the earliest showings of the day. Yeah. But even then, we had a lot of children in there. Yeah. And even the children were extremely well behaved. Yeah, which is unusual for an, a true. movie theater full of children to have nobody like r- no rowdy kids. Mm-hmm. That's a little unusual. It, it was. It, it's. It's. It's just that's how meaningful. You can tell that is. everyone in that movie like is loves. That's the how life. meaningful it's a part this of movie is. Yeah, that's how meaningful this movie is to everybody, and it's yeah. such an important movie too because it's it's insane. Now, before we get into another topic, back to Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen, first of all, I think we are on the brinks of one of the most beautiful chemistries Hollywood has ever seen. Yeah. Because Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen together did such an amazing job. They they played off of each other so well. It was incredible. Actually, actually, I think we're on the brink of two beautiful relationships in Hollywood. Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. And the other relationship is Eric Andre (laughs) and uh, Keegan-Michael Key. Yeah. I, I agree. Kiki Michael Key and Eric Andre, they both they played off each other so well. Yes, yeah. um, both duos played off both each other. Both duos, yeah. Both duos played so well. Kiki Michael Key and Eric Andre, I I actually can't decide. I, I'm gonna they, some people are gonna some people are gonna roast me for this, some people are gonna be offended, some people are gonna get mad at me for saying this, but I think I like Kiki Michael Key and Eric Andre more than I like Kiki Michael Key and Jordan Peele together. Really? A hundred percent. I think Keegan Michael Key and Eric Andre have such a great chemistry for film. When it comes to comedy, Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael Key, they're unbeatable. So you prefer? But I prefer seeing Keegan Michael Key and Eric Andre in films together than I would see Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael Key. So you prefer this duo over uh, Ducky Bunny? Yeah, I prefer. I prefer. um, I prefer the hyena duo over the Ducky and Bunny duo. I think this duo was funnier. I think this duo was funnier too. I think it was a great duo. I think I think Jordan Peele in recent years because of the fact that he's leaning more towards directing and making mm-hmm. films, he's lost that edge that he used to have with Keegan Michael Key. I can agree with that. He's lost it a bit. But I think that's also part of the like the way the public sees him though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But either way, he's lost some of it where mm-hmm. Eric Andre is still doing things where Keegan-Michael Key is doing the same. Keegan-Michael Key and Eric Andre just work better together now 
because they're in the same ball game. They're both. They're comedy. in the same ball game. They're both pure comedy, and it's ridiculous comedy, and it's equally adult as it is family. Yeah. Their their comedy works both ways. That is true. This hyena duel was equally funny for the adults as it was for the kids. Where I think Ducky and Bunny were funnier for kids than it was for adults. Ducky and Bunny was definitely a funnier duel for kids than it was for adults, even though it was funny for adults as well. I think the hyenas was funnier for adults than it was for kids. I disagree. I think that Ducky and Bunny. I mean, it might, it might just be me, but I think that Ducky and Bunny was really funny. No, for, Ducky and Bunny was really funny. Adults as well. It was really funny for adults. But here's what I'm. Here's where my argument is. The hyenas, Keegan Michael Key and Eric Andre, were a lot funnier to the adults than they were to the kids. Where the kids were laughing a little bit or chuckling, the adults were bawling. That goes back to the way the public sees them, though. Exactly. But that's because we're watching Keegan-Michael Key and Eric Andre, yeah. who are two adult comedians. Yeah. Because, you, let's face it, there's no kid on this there's planet no, no who should be here. watching Eric yeah. Andre. <laughs> there's no kid who should... I would not let any of my kids watch, watch Eric Andre. I don't yeah. have any kids. But, <laughs> but if I had kids, I would not let them watch Eric Andre. Yeah. That's not something I want my kids watching. At first, I'm not going to lie, at first it was kind of weird. It was, yeah, it was weird. It was kind of weird hearing Eric Andre. Like, I couldn't get over the fact that he was Eric Andre in a, for in the a, first couple of scenes exactly. that he was, and he was on screen. Keegan-Michael Key still holds that place in, in, in my heart, too, because Keegan-Michael Key hasn't done anything to break out of that shell. Jordan Peele has broken out of that shell where he's now seen in the public eye as more of, like, a serious person. Yeah. But Keegan-Michael Key and Eric Andre aren't. They're, they're serious people. They have a career, obviously, but their career is more built on the fact that it's ridiculous comedy, and I love yeah. ridiculous comedy. Yeah. I love ridiculous comedy. It's so clever. It's smart. It's it's funny. It's great. And they do it very well. And they do it very well. Keegan-Michael Key and Eric Andre did a great duel. Back to Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner. Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner, of all the characters in this movie... The best facial acting, the best yes, acting agree. in the animation was Timon, P- and, Pumbaa. Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. Timon and Pumbaa actually felt like Timon and Pumbaa. Mm-hmm. Timon and Pumbaa, like Timon especially, because Timon has arms. This comes from the fact that Timon has arms and his face, uh, the face of a meerkat looks a lot more human than the face of a lion. Yeah. The face of a meerkat, because it's because it, it's, it's a marsupial, it looks more it looks more human it's than a lion. Marsupial. Yeah, it is. Uh, meerkats are marsupials. No, they're mammals. I think they're Meerkats mammals. are mammals. They're small mammals. Because it's a mammal, it looks more human. Whereas cats are, cats are they're felines. Very well. Felines. Yeah. Felines don't look human. Felines don't look human. Okay, but Timon, when he was singing, it looked like a human singing. Exactly, because he had that certain flair, like his arms yeah. and his face, and he could yell, and he could like he could, his eyes would move. Yeah, his eyes would. His move, eyes were fixed. Which was something. Yeah. The eyes on the lines were fixed, and that didn't help their. They didn't help their faces. They were locked in place. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have like a brow raise. Didn't exist. Mm-hmm. There, no lion had a brow raise because you don't. They don't have brows. Yeah. Um. Their their nose didn't didn't uh. What would you call that? Uh, cringe. Uh, There's a word. It's a crunch. Crunch. Yeah, like their nose. Something crunches. like that. Yeah, their nose didn't crunch. Didn't cringe. Didn't really do any of that stuff. And it, it, it lacks. It, you you really you don't feel that you human miss emotion. It. You miss it. Because so much about human emotion is our facial expression. Body yeah. language is so important in human emotion. And because they're felines, because they're lions, all four of their legs have to be on the floor at all times. Yeah. Their facial expressions aren't as powerful. It just it doesn't work. But it doesn't work. Pumbaa had all four of his legs on the ground at all times. And he still looked like he had much more emotion. Because of the eyes and the hair. Yeah. The eyes and the fur on Pumbaa. Like, the the way Pumbaa spoke... And 
Seth Rogen as a whole. But it also it also comes from the fact that Pumbaa is a very happy character, and because of the warthog's anatomy, its mouth is so large that it looks like it's smiling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pumbaa's always smiling. Yeah, Pumbaa's always smiling because the horn. It's not the anatomy of the it's of the, the horns. It's the horns. Yeah, it is the, the horns are shaped like a smiley face. So the entire time you just have to like he's he's happy. Yeah, he's and, smiling. And he's and got I mean, no worries. Pumbaa. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's got no worries. Out of. He's got no worries. Also, the lion sleep tonight. No, no, no. Before you start that. No, because I, I think I know what you're gonna no, say. No, no, I you don't say. know what I'm okay, gonna say. What's up? Before you start that, Seth Rogen laughing as Seth Rogen yes. while in Pumbaa's body <laughs> was incredible. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Yeah. Like, Seth Rogen was born to play Pumbaa. If, yeah. if anybody was gonna play Pumbaa, it had to be Seth Rogen. That was that was a great. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Like he really brought Pumbaa to life. And we should really talk about John Oliver too. Yes, we should talk about John Oliver. John Oliver, I, I'm gonna admit, I was a little caught a, caught aback by John Oliver being casted for Zazu, but the more I thought about it and now seeing it in action, John Oliver as Zazu makes so much sense. Yeah, it does. Zazu is Zazu is the Lion King's version of the media. Yeah. And John Oliver is he's the media. He's the media of our yeah. time. Like John Oliver is the most aggressive media person out there. And it's not like aggressive in the sense that it's like, like hard facts, but it's more like John Oliver's so in your face about the media, and that's what Zazu's supposed to be. Zazu's yeah. judgmental, as is John Oliver. Mm-hmm. Zazu's funny without trying to be funny, as is John Oliver. Yeah. Zazu is in your face, as is John Oliver. John Oliver got to play himself as Zazu, and that's why it works so well. Because John Oliver, I don't, I don't want to, you know, step on John Oliver's toes or anything like that. I don't know how well he is as an actor. In this movie, he wasn't acting. The, yeah, I can agree. In with this that. film, John Oliver wasn't acting. He was being himself. He was being himself. Yeah. Which is why I can't call him a great actor, but I call him a great John Oliver. He's <laughs> a great John Oliver. John Oliver did John Oliver better than John Oliver. And I mean, just on the surface level, he sounds so much like, like the original Zazu. Yeah, like the original Zazu. Yeah, he, he, he did a great job. He did a great job. Yeah. Okay, so what were you going to say about The Lion Sleeps Tonight? The Lion Sleeps Tonight. That scene and that that uh that song... Uh-huh. Sung by Billy Agner and Seth Rogen, I like more than the animated. Yeah, I do too. The Lion Sleep Tonight was so much better in well, this they, one. Well, they did a lot more with it this time. They right? did. They did do a lot more with it, and it was just it was beautiful. It was a beautiful. It was a beautiful scene. It, it. I'm gonna be listening to it on the way home. Yeah. I'm gonna be listening to it on the way home. It's it's that it was that good. Like, mm-hmm. the Lion Sleep Tonight was great. Hakuna all Matata. Music, all of the musical numbers were really good. Hakuna Matata, I like the original more. I like the original Hakuna Matata more. Yes. But, but Donald it, Glover But the, yeah I, I agree Donald Glover did amazing But like yeah. Hakuna Matata So Timon and Pumbaa prominent That's that is, Timon and Pumbaa's yeah. song Yeah it is Hakuna it Matata is. is Timon and Pumbaa's song And the original Timon and Pumbaa Did a better job of Hakuna Matata Than Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner Yeah I can agree with that But That being it's also said that, It's also that like Seth Rogen was like half singing Yeah Cause Seth Rogen's not a, He doesn't sing Yeah he doesn't He doesn't sing That's, a, that's another thing Which is fine It, it was just like the original Pumbaa sang a lot during that song, yeah. and it felt like it was missing. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did feel like it was missing a little bit. Um, I like the look of the original Pumbaa better than than Seth Rogen, but I mean Disney knows that because at the end of the day, Disney's not trying to sell you any live action merch. They're gonna keep selling you the animated merch. I mean, I could see maybe like Sim, young, young Simba, maybe, but like it's because he looks so cute. Yeah. But Disney's gonna continue to sell you the the, the animated movie oh, of course. merch. They're gonna continue selling you the animated movie like like. All that stuff is they're gonna sell you, 
I mean, their their objective here wasn't to make anything look cute. Exactly, it was to make, it was to make it look real, as real as possible. Pumbaa doesn't look cute. No, Timon doesn't look cute. They're ugly. They're there's some ugly. Like there's some <laughs> ugly. Don't bleep that out. But there's some ugly. <laughs> they're ugly. Like, I I believed when Pumbaa said he was gross. I believed him. Like when Timon was like, "Yo, Pumbaa smells like crap." I was like, "I believe you." Like Pumbaa definitely smells like. That one moment with Pumbaa, though. Which one? I don't want to say it, but loosely, <laughs> the flashback. Oh yeah, it was, it was yeah, beautiful. That that was great. Spoiler <laughs> alert: There's like a little flashback. No, I mean that's in the original. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. The flashback during her like, it was beautiful. But like that was that was really that was really cool. <laughs> that was really cool. It was cute as fuck. Yeah. But um, I'm not gonna say anything because I don't want to spoil this for you because this is not in the original. But there's a moment Timon and Pumbaa have in this movie. At that moment where they're speaking to some hyenas ah. and Timon says something ah. is going to be <laughs> talked about for a very long time. Yeah. Because it was, it was such a beautiful nod to Disney. Like, thank yeah. you, Disney, for that. <laughs> thank you, Disney, for that. Because thank I... Thank you, Disney. Thank you, Billy Eichner. Thank you. Thank you, France. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say for it. Thank you, friends. Thank you, Billy Eichner. Thank you, Seth Rogen. That was an amazing moment I had to see in my life. Yeah. I'm so glad I got to see that moment in my life. <laughs> um, just wait till Billy Eichner presents that moment to you. That's, I'm, that's all I'm going to say. Like, they, he will present you that moment. You guys are not going to understand any of this until you see the movie, but you're going to laugh so hard when you see it. Like, it's a great moment. Yeah, if you, if you listen to this before you watch the movie. Which I don't recommend because it's pretty... It's pretty spoiler heavy. If you haven't seen the movie, which that's ridiculous. Why would you even go watch this Lion King if you haven't seen the original Lion King? No, I'm talking about watching this one. No, if you haven't seen the original one, turn this off now and or maybe finish it. And then... Go, I mean, and if then you haven't seen the original, it's your fault. <laughs> but I realize now that we're doing a po- This is a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But, um... Yeah, this is also our first movie review that we're doing officially, guys. Yeah, and this is all probably going to get cut out anyways. Probably not. Um, but yeah, that's the film-wise. Now, because we are theme park freaks, I have to talk. I have to talk about how this is going to affect my favorite place in the world, Disney Parks. Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom. <laughs> Animal Kingdom. <laughs> just for just just for context, please. His least favorite park is Animal Kingdom. No, not just least favorite. I, I have a certain hatred for Animal Kingdom in my heart. I go to it and I love Animal Kingdom, but I got a certain hatred for aspects of it in my heart. <laughs> Especially in the summer. Oh. Especially fuck. in the summer. <laughs> Especially in the summer. But back to back to let's back back on topic. Instead of just ranting, let's get back on topic. <laughs> this movie is going to positively affect the theme parks. It is going to positively affect the theme parks. Lion King is going to take a lot more prominent of a role at Animal Kingdom specifically in the coming years, I would say, in the coming couple of years. How do you think so? First of all, Disney's so prominent on food, a lot of the food has already been rolled out. They've already started rolling out Simba, Sunset, Nala's Brownie, stuff like that. Uh-huh. They're going to continue. Nala's, I didn't know about Nala's Brownie. Nala's Brownie is like a cool little brownie with a lot of buttercream on top, and it's delicious, according to AJ from Disney Food Black, who I love. I, I trust that woman with my life. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, they have a lot of food article like food articles? Food. Are you talking about Disney Food Blog? No, 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 no. Uh, not 
talking about? You, you said articles. No, not articles. Are you talking about articles, like the parks? Yeah, like they have food, food items. Food items. Food items. Yeah. You're right. Food items. Sorry, I forgot the word. They have a lot of food items rolling out um, pertaining to the Lion King, uh-huh. which is awesome. And there's going to be more. There's going to be more, especially because attendance for this movie is going to be very high. It is very high attendance. It's going to be very high sales. It's going to be received very well, except by the critics. Where the yeah. critics are not receiving it well, the audience is going to receive it very well. Yeah, that is. True. Audience is going to receive it very well because it's it's true to the animated, the original. Um, but I mean, there, even then, there's a split. There's a split. There's a split. There's a split. But still. but there's always a split. But there's but still. Um, that's the that's the, parks, the thing with the, the Lion parks. King is going to take a lot bigger of a role at Animal Kingdom now. Yeah. Which it already does have a big role because Animal Kingdom is a Lion King park. Yeah. Everywhere you go in Animal Kingdom, you see the Lion King, even if they're not explicitly showing it to you. It feels like a Lion King, which is great. That is true. Yeah. Especially because the Tree of Life is smack in the middle of it. The Tree of Life is so prominent in the Lion King as well. Which I actually didn't realize that that was Rafiki's tree. Yeah. Until like during the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's during Rafiki's the movie, tree. it hit me and I was like, I'm, I'm stupid. Yeah, it's Rafiki's tree, which is great. Like, there's a celebration of the Lion King going on at Animal Kingdom right now, actually. It's like a new, like, spectacular they have on the tree, a celebration of the Lion King. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's still going on. Don't quote me on that, but I know it's it's been going on, and it, it's, it's beautiful, apparently. I haven't seen it. I'm going to go see it this, this week, hopefully. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, It's really great. It's really great. And Lion King is going to, you know, take a, a foreground in the Animal Kingdom once again, which I think it already did have a foreground in it. It's just... It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. And we're going to get a lot more African culture... You know, injected into Animal Kingdom slowly but surely because of this movie, and that that's great because yeah. I feel like I feel like theme parks as a whole really don't give us that continent. That Africa as a continent kind of falls short when it comes to to theme park sphere, the theme park sphere. Like for example, well, I mean, uh, well, continue. Well, yeah, like for example, the lack of an Africa of an African country in Epcot. That's not true. Yeah, it is true. We have an African country in Epcot. I forget what country it is, but... So... All we get is an outpost. So, okay. All we get is an outpost. We don't get a country. That's the country, though. It's it's not... It's not even on the map as a country. Like, it's not. It's, it's not a country. It? It's not. Okay. It's just an outpost. It's called an outpost. Okay, then. They call it an outpost, and they don't give us an Africa, an Africa section in Epcot. But... Agreed. Animal Kingdom is the Africa section of... Of the Disney. theme park of Disney. Yeah. I mean, but the, it's I was, the only I was one in the say, world. Like, I think Animal Kingdom has, well, I don't think it has enough of Africa, but I think it has a good amount of Africa because, I mean, I always joke when we go through Epcot, oh, look, we're going through the, the Animal, Animal Kingdom. Kingdom part, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's the only theme park in the world that's Africa themed. Yeah, that is true. In the world, there's no other theme park Africa themed like Animal Kingdom. And you got Disneyland Paris, Disneyland Shanghai, Disneyland Hong Kong, and they're not. They're not. There's no Africa there. I think it's also that there's no, like... Climate for it, maybe? No. I want to say there's no room for it there, but I don't think that's the right way to put it. Because, like, yeah. with Animal Kingdom, it's it's themed so well to fit Africa, whereas all, all of the other parks, they're... I'm sorry? It's a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas all of the other parks, they're like fantasy lands, they're like future lands and all that stuff. And if we had a land for Africa or for animals, 
as opposed to in a park entirely for it, then we can have more of African representation. Yeah. But like you're not gonna you're not gonna put I I would think it would be I think it would be in bad taste to put African representation somewhere in Fantasyland or like the or Future Land or Tomorrowland. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. But I agree with you that the the world could use more more Africa. Yeah. In their well, the theme park world specifically. Yeah. Could use more Africa because it, it is a it's great culture. It's great culture. It's very rich. It's a very rich culture. Like I, I definitely enjoy it. Hans Zimmer though. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't get. I can't over get. It. I can't get over it. Sa- this is the same reaction we had during the actual movie. Yeah. Like we would be listening to the music and then halfway through the scene, I'd turn to Johnny and I'd be like, Hans Zimmer, or he'd turn yeah. to me. He's he's insane. insane. Yeah. Insane in the membrane. He's great. <laughs> um, I think we're nearing the end of. Yeah, I think that's all I have. To, I, that's all I have to say about Lion King. Um, yeah. Well, in terms of the in terms of the bigger spectrum, the bigger picture, Disney with the live actions, they're they tend to be hitting the mark on a lot of them. Yeah. They tend to be hitting the mark very nicely on a lot of the live action, which is an unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. But I actually really enjoy the live actions. I really I like them. Too. I really like them. It's an unpopular opinion. I it's getting to be more popular as an opinion. Because people are enjoying the live actions more and more every day. But they're getting better. But they're That's getting why. better. They're getting better. Um, John Favreau, as a director, we haven't talked he, about him. Oh, yeah. John Favreau did a He's great job. He's one of job. my favorite people in the industry. Yeah, right John now. Favreau did a great job. Like, I have to... Hats, hats off to John Favreau. John Favreau. Bro, he did a great job. Yeah, like, he did. the voice acting is so good. And that's his job as a director. Like, mm-hmm. the voice acting, I can't give all the credit to the actor. John Favreau directed these people like no other. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Like, where the where the facial expressions lacked, John Favreau made up for it in the voice acting. It yes. wasn't enough, but he did the best he could, and he did an amazing job. Like, he's... I have to say he's one of the best directors that we have in working for Disney right now. Yeah. Because he works mostly with Disney. He works most prominently he with Disney. He works with Marvel. Mar- he works with Marvel a lot. He works a lot with... Now he's working a lot with Disney Studios. Uh-huh. You know, he, he works a lot with Disney... Of all like the Disney like directors, like the go-to Disney directors, John Favreau is one of the best. Mm-hmm. John Favreau is one of the best. I put him up there with like Rob Marshall I think and stuff like that. I like, think he's, it's he's because great. he's so imaginative. Yeah, it's, exactly. Like, Jungle Book, Lion King, like that takes insane yeah. imagination yeah. to direct. Yeah, and I mean, the people coming after him, for example, like anybody wanting to direct a Disney live action after him has got big shoes to fill. Yeah. Because Rob Marshall and John Favreau are leaving behind a trace that is going to be very hard to fill by other directors. Yeah. Like, as a director trying to get into the industry, I'm scared. Because <laughs> if I ever want to direct a Disney live action, I got to fill those shoes. And that's scary. Like, yeah. I, si- I sit there through Lion King and I look at Danny and I'm like, bro, I don't even know where to begin to direct a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Because it's just so massive. It's so big. I don't know. I would cry on set the first day. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do. No, and it's also the pressure of having to fill those shoes. Yeah. Of having to make it as incredible as everything yeah, that's come but before. But he, he did a great job. He did a great job. Yeah, he did. He did a and great job. And I don't think that the reviews, like, any any review that's talking about a about John Favreau lacking. Negatively, yeah. It's, yeah. I, do, I don't think that's right. They're full of for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> I don't think it's right because he really did do a beautiful job. Yeah, no, as film. bluntly as possible, they're <laughs> This is a rated R podcast. <laughs> that being said, Lion King definitely a must see. 
Yes. A must-see. Anybody who is a Disney fan, and even if you're not, it's a must-see. Yeah. If you're a Disney fan, a CGI fan, a, 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 a film, film buff, buff, yeah, go watch Lion King. It's great. It's incredible. It's great. I, I have to I rank it high up there. It's, it's good. It's good. Give it a rating? Uh, I, don't, I don't think I want to do ratings in terms of numbers. Okay. I don't want to number ratings, but I, I will I say, I will say like, in my opinion, it's a must watch. Yeah. If you're a casual film fan, go see it. If you're a casual moviegoer, go see it. You're you not see it. You're not gonna sit there and not enjoy yourself. Exactly. You're not gonna sit there. It's it's a, it's the movie for the whole family. That mm-hmm. term is accurate. It's a movie for the whole family. Yeah. yeah. Everyone will love it. Yeah. Everyone who watches it will will enjoy it. I can. You'll enjoy that. it. You'll enjoy it. It's a definitely must watch. Even if it does have its problems, you're still gonna sit there and be happy that you watch it. Look, this is the rating I'll give it. Worth the watch in theaters. It's worth watching that. in theaters. Yeah. Because, but that's also because it plays so well like, yeah. visually. Some movies are worth watching out, or are like not worth watching in theaters, or like you can wait for them to come out in, at home. I think you need to watch this one. This theaters. one is a is a much a must watch in theaters. You yeah. have to see it in theaters. You have to see it in theaters. And any any last remarks? That was my last remarks. No, I think I'm good. I I agree with you. You need to you need to watch this movie in theaters. Like visually, it's incredible. As a DP, I was in love with this movie. I still don't know who DP did, and I need to find out. I saw the name, but I remember, forgot it right now. But it's just, it's so beautiful. And the again, going back to the imagination having to come from, from John Favreau and the DP. Like, to be able to get that footage and know exactly where the animal is going to be in the final product. Yeah. That's, that's insane. <laughs> it's so imaginative. It's, 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 I don't even know where to begin with that. Yeah. Like, you need I'm, to be in a different headspace. As a DP, you need to light for that. Like yeah. any shot that was taken on location or any shot that was done practically, you need to light so well because the, if not, the animation department is gonna, yeah, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna, gonna, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna be, <laughs> they're upset. not gonna be happy. They're gonna be upset. They're, like you're gonna, you're gonna have to take them all out to dinner and like, kiss their feet and thank them because yeah, they'll be they, pissed. If they'll, they be pissed. Your lighting. they'll be pissed. <laughs> they'll be pissed. But yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, it's great. it really is. And like, that's the end of our. Yeah, I don't really know how to end a podcast. Uh... <laughs> All right, so um, uh, that was Lion King. Yeah, that was Lion King. It was great. Watch it. You watch it. It's in theaters go watch right it. now. Um. Yeah. yeah, and if you can, go watch it in IMAX. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's. All right, this is going to be the official <laughs> rating. Here comes the official rating. It's worth watching in theaters, in IMAX. Yeah. Because of the visuals. Yeah. It's worth watching theaters in IMAX. I mean, the also the audio, though. But, <laughs> but the gonna, visuals, yeah. We're going to go off of visuals for IMAX. Okay, okay. So, yeah. All right, then. All right. <laughs> See you next week when we go to the next movie premiere. Yeah. What is the next movie premiere? Is it... I think it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I hope it is. Yes. What? Really oh, I'm is. excited for that. <laughs> Ooh, Quentin I mean, Tarantino's no, night film. It is. It comes out uh, July 26th. Well, join us next week when we review Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And that one will be R-rated. Exactly. Quentin Tarantino's (laughs) ninth film.